First John chapter one and Luke chapter 18. How many of you guys were here on Sunday last Sunday? Okay, so you guys can lead the others. You guys know the drill, right? There were four things that we learned that John, well, really the Holy Spirit working through the Apostle John four purposes, apparently, that he wanted to write this letter that we could read it. The first one you'll find John chapter one, verse four. Says that we have written this to you that you might be filled with joy, that your joy might be full. How many people don't mind being filled with joy? Okay, then read this. Okay. Second, John chapter two, verse one. He says, look, I've written this so that you may not sin. And he doesn't mean that you're going to be sinless, but that you certainly can sin less. How many people would mind being or wouldn't mind being freed from sin? Okay, read this. John chapter two, verse 26 He says, I've written this that you might be able to fend off the deceivers, those who try to teach you things that are incorrect about God and lead you down a a wrong path. How many people wouldn't mind being able to fend off deceivers? Okay, read this. And finally, chapter five, verse 13. He says, I've written that you might have assurance that you might know that you have eternal life and that with that firm assurance comes that that joyous walk. That fruitful walk. How many of you wouldn't mind having firm assurance of your salvation? Okay, read this. Okay, it's just going to be your continual assignment every week while we're in this. Read the book of First John. Okay, John's first stated purpose then, chapter 1, verse 4, is that we might be filled with joy. Again, we talked about it last week. There's a big, huge difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends upon happenings. Upon, you know, if if things go well for you, I'm happy. If things go not so well, I'm unhappy. But joy, we've seen, can be completely and actually is completely independent of happenings, of circumstances. You want to be filled with joy? Read this. Now, some of you. I I don't want to ask because I don't want to don't, don't want to call you out, but hopefully many of you. I know just talking with you that many of you did. You did your assignment. You read through the book just once this week. It takes 14 minutes, by the way. Some of you probably have read the book this week and you're saying, "Okay, I read the book, but I still got no joy. What's up with that? Well, how many of you were here on Thursday? Okay, Thursday, we learned that the key to joy is fellowship with God. Look at verse three, John, chapter one, verse three. He's writing, he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. He's talking about his eyewitness account to Jesus, who is God with skin on. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship is koinonia. It's a familiar word to to many of you. It means to have things in common. It's speaking of an intimacy with God. Uh, Joe Foch up in Philadelphia phrased it this way. Whenever he sees that word fellowship, he, he's like the best way that he can think of to describe it is uh, the word we have in cahoots. It's not one that you can easily define. What's a cahoot? But 
we get the application of it, right? That is to be in fellowship um, with, with another, to be in cahoots. The Bible says that in his presence, in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. They are inextricably linked. The idea of fellowship, koinonia, intimacy with God and joy. So some of you who came on Thursday are saying, well, okay, I read the book. I tried to walk in his presence. Still didn't feel it. Still got none of that stinking joy you're talking about. What's up with that? Is, is God breaking his promise to me? Well, track with me here. If the key to fullness of joy is fellowship with God, then you might be asking, what's the key to fellowship with God? Well, John would say, I'm glad you asked. And he starts with a principle. Look at verse five. That's where we've left off. John chapter one, verse five. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus. This is the message which we have heard from Jesus and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. In the Greek, it's actually no darkness. No, none at all. The message apparently that Jesus, that John got from Jesus he says, this is the message that we have declared, we have heard from him and declare to you. That message was this. God is light and in him there is no darkness. No, no darkness at all. And that's true, right? When Jesus came, he declared that God is light. He declared that he was light. His words and his works all pointed to this message. God is light. It's like John is saying in, in chapter in verse five. Look, one thing I learned from those years that I spent with Jesus in ministry, <clears throat> when he broke into this world from eternity past, the consistent message that I got, and you see it all throughout the book of John, that, that message that I got that I'm sharing with you is this. God is light and in him there is no darkness, no, none at all. In case you weren't with us in the book of John, that theme of God is light is all throughout it. Let me share with you a, a few. John chapter 1, verse 4. This speaking of Jesus, the apostle, at the very beginning of it says, In him was life, and the life was what? The light of men. John chapter 1, verse 9. That was the true light, Jesus, the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Then John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John chapter 9, verse 5. As long as I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 12, verse 35. Then Jesus said to them, interesting, right before he goes to the cross, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. John chapter 12, verse 36. I love this one. Jesus says to them, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. I love it. He's like, make sure you make use of the light while you can. He's gone. The message that Jesus kept saying over and over again, God is light. This is the message that John heard from Jesus. That is God with skin on. God is light. That was the message that he spoke, but it was also the message that he showed. Do you guys remember Matthew 17, verse one? Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, our eyewitness here and his brother, James and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. 
Meaning he took that skin back for just a little bit and showed God is light. He was transfigured before them. His face, it says, shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9 both uh, chime in with similar details. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Pretty consistent here. First John chapter one, verse five. This is the message, he says, that we have heard from him, Jesus. And this message we declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. No, not one speck of darkness. He's thinking, OK, I get that, but. What in the world does that have to do with fellowship and joy? Well, John says, I'm glad you asked. Because since God is light, look at verse six. If we say that we have fellowship, there's our word koinonia, intimacy, cahoots. If we say that we are in cahoots with God, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we do have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Y'all, the first point to be made this morning. If you're not filled with joy, and again, joy is different than happiness, okay? There could be some really hard things that you're going through in your life, okay? I'm not saying that if you don't have a smile on your face... But if you're not filled with joy, that is the, the undergirding of the fact that God loves you and that, that he's in control of all things. If you are not filled with joy, it's because something has broken your fellowship with him. And here's the hard part that I have to say. It's not his fault. When John the Baptist looked at Jesus, he said, there goes the Lamb of God, spotless. In him, there's no darkness at all. There's not one fault. You can't look at Jesus and say, it's your fault. I don't have fellowship with you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. There's a illustration that probably every pastor in the world has used. And I didn't want you guys to be left out. It's the one about the old couple in the old pickup truck. They've been married for years and years and years. They drive up behind a younger, newlywed couple. And in that truck, at the stoplight, the young bride has her head on the driver's shoulder. The husband's got his arm around her. They're enjoying intimacy, fellowship. The older wife says to the husband, Honey, remember when we had that kind of a relationship? Why aren't we like that anymore? He looks at her from behind the steering wheel and says, I never moved. Listen, if you're a believer here this morning and you're missing that, you're longing for that honeymoon intimacy with the Lord. He never moved. Excuse me. It's like those famous theologians, the righteous brothers said. You've lost that loving feeling. He, he's the same merciful God that he's always been. He's the same one who gave for you the most precious thing in all of the universe so that you could have that sweet 
fellowship with him. Verse five, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness, no, none at all. Verse six, if we say that we have this sweet fellowship, if we have say that we have koinonia with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. John says, if you say that you have this great intimate fellowship with the living God and yet you are walking in darkness. Well, John just called you a liar. Wasn't me. But John just said that we lie if we say that. That word walk, though, <clears throat> the very important point that you need to know. The word walk means to make one's way, to progress, to make due use of opportunities. In the Hebrew, it, it stands for the idea of living, uh, to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself, to pass one's life. See, walking is something in, in this picture that is a continual, habitual thing. John says, look, if you claim that you have intimacy with him and yet you habitually progress along the path of darkness. You lie. Y'all, it's actually simple physics, isn't it? Light and darkness are mutually exclusive. If he is light without a speck of darkness and we continually prove that we prefer, we progress along the lines of darkness. How in the world could we have intimacy or fellowship? Reminds me of a verse, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. It's from a different context, but it totally applies. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, says, look, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship, koinonia, has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? They're, they're mutually exclusive. Let me put it this way. John says, look, if your mouth says, look, I have this great relationship with God. But your continual habitual choices say something else. One of the two is not telling the truth. John says, look, I can tell you it's not your mouth that's telling the truth. It's your choices. Now, some of you might be thinking. Pastor, are you saying that I am not saved? I don't know. I don't think I I could say one way or the other, but this I can definitely tell you. If you are walking habitually in darkness, I can tell you this. You do not have intimate, sweet fellowship with him. And that means that you don't have joy. So you're thinking, okay, now what do I do? I mean, do I clean up my act? Is that how I do it? Do I work really hard to not walk in darkness? No. Verse 7 says, you just got to walk in the light. Now, stay with me. I'm not going to explain exactly what that means until a little bit later, but look at it. Because God is completely light. There's not a speck of darkness in him. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if instead we walk in the light as he is in the light, whatever that means, we have fellowship. There it is again. We have koinonia, intimacy. We're in cahoots. But then it says, wait, with one another. That's 
left turn, I think, at least from what I would be expecting. Here's the deal. This is where I need you to put your thinking caps on a little bit. In English, because of the way we've been trained, our brains are trained to read a sentence with a certain structure, right? This is what verse 7 seems to say. It says, if, this is what it seems to say. If you and me walk in the light as God walks in the light, then you and me can have fellowship with each other. Okay? Now, that's not wrong. But it's incomplete. And when you look at it in context, that interpretation of it completely misses the bigger point. Because what are we seeking in this study? Fellowship with God, right? Not necessarily fellowship with each other, although that's a great thing. But don't get me wrong. I appreciate fellowship with you guys. But I mean, it's fellowship with God that I really need, right? I mean, choose between fellowship with you, fellowship with God. Listen, the good news is we don't have to choose. Let, let me let me do it. Do it this way. See if this makes sense for you. Just for a, a few seconds. Verse seven. Insert the word I instead of we. Now. You are included in the we, right? Right. So read it this way. But if I walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Does that make more sense? What this is saying is, yes, we get to fellowship with one another, but that's not the big thing. The big bonus is we get to fellowship with a holy God. Look, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we not only have fellowship with each other, but much more importantly, we have koinonia intimacy. We're in cahoots with a holy God. And that word one another means mutually, reciprocally. So that means that we have we can have intimacy with him and maybe more amazing he can have intimacy with us if we walk in the light you're like what's walking in the light wait hold on to that thought this is where it starts to really get good though look at verse 7 the end of verse 7 <clears throat> if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and with the lord and the blood of jesus christ his son cleanses us from all sin he says, look, if we just instead of walking in the darkness, we'll just walk in the light. What does that mean? Stay tuned. If we'll just walk in the light, he says, we can enjoy intimacy with each other and with God and. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. Now, when he says blood, what he's referring to is the atoning death, the entire thing that Jesus did for us on his on the cross, right? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Y'all, this is gets where it gets really good. <clears throat> the word cleanse, cleanses, that's the present tense, and it means to be continually cleansing. The word is catharizo. It's where we get the word catharize. How many of you know what that means? Okay. If you don't, ask someone else. <laughs> Don't ask me. Ask someone else later. You can ask a nurse or you can ask a doctor. But here's what it means, guys. To have someone outside of yourself provide a way to get the poison out. Catharizo. 
to have a continual source of cleansing from outside that prevents the buildup of poison in the body. Y'all, this is really good news. Yes, really good news? Yeah? It's probably the first time ever that catheterization has been good news. (laughs) If we walk in the darkness, we can say we have fellowship with him, but we're lying. But if we walk in the light, whatever that means, we have sweet fellowship with him and with each other and... His blood cleanses us, catheterizes, continually cleanses us from all sin. From the poison of sin. That's awesome. I want to show you one last wording. Again, we go through these scriptures and you get to the end of uh, verse 6. And you're like, man, I'm doomed. But I want to show you the hope that's here at the end of verse 7. It's a a choice that we make, but what's what's the last couple words there of verse 7? It says, all sin. All. In the Greek, that's pas, P-A-S. You know what it means in the Greek? All. It means every single thing. Each and every sin, every kind of sin, His blood cleanses us from. So that includes all of yours. Adultery, addiction, wrath, drunkenness, selfishness, pornography, sins against your boss, sins against your spouse, sins against your kids, sins against your parents, sins that you did 40 years ago, sins that you did today. Even sins that you're going to do tomorrow. Y'all, there's absolutely no reason that anyone in this room needs to walk out of here with a weight of guilt. With that cloud of unforgiveness. It says if we walk in the light that he we have the sweet fellowship with him and he cleanses us from all sin. Now, how do you walk in the light? I guess like we've been asking that for days now. How do you live in the light rather than the darkness? What's the key to this, this whole thing? You ready? Confession. How do you walk in the light? You quit concealing And you start confessing. It means to get your secrets out in the open. Sin is like a fungus, right? It grows really good in the dark. If you drag it out into the light, into the presence of God, suddenly you're walking in the light. Have you thought about this? Light is both the exposer of the darkness, which is why we don't want to come, Right. Jesus said the light has come into the world, but men prefer darkness because their deeds are evil. That's why people don't want to come to the light, because your deeds are evil. Light is both the exposer of the darkness, but here's where it gets good. Light is also the banisher of the darkness. 
Does that make sense? Once you decide, okay, I'm running for the light. Then the, that light is, becomes not just the exposure, but the banisher, the cure for darkness. Let me put it this way. Light is both the proof of, proof of our problem, darkness, and the solution to that problem. Light is both <clears throat> the analyzer of our sickness and the antidote of our sickness. How do you walk in the light? Confess your sin. There, I said it, sin. Nobody uses that word very much anymore. I mean, maybe for other people's sins. It's not a comfortable word that people are, are loving to use these days. <clears throat> you guys want to participate? Are you sure? I'm going to make you use that, that nasty word, sin. You ready? First Corinthians chapter eight. Or, <laughs> what? What? First John chapter one, verse eight. There we go. <clears throat> Sin to fall short of the mark. There you go. <clears throat> That's me. First John chapter one, verse eight. I'm going to let you guys use whenever the, the, the word sin or a derivative of it. <clears throat> and we'll see that John apparently has no aversion to the word. If we say that we have no, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yet if we confess our, he is faithful and just to forgive us our and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. <clears throat> sin is not a popular word these days. I dare say if you were to go to any public meeting, pretty much any place, unfortunately, even some churches. If you were to go to most places and you were to start a conversation about righteousness and <clears throat> perfection and those kind of things. You would hear something like this. Most people are not so bold as to say, look, I'm perfect. But most of the time it would be something like this. Well, I'm not perfect. I'm only human. I make mistakes. And then when you say, okay, so did I hear you right? Basically, you're saying you're a sinner. Like, what? Sinner? See, here's the problem. The song that we sang just a little bit ago does not go. He's the rescue for mistakers. <laughs> The rescue for humans. He's the rescue for sinners. Only sinners need a savior from sin. And therefore, only sinners seek a savior and only sinners get a savior. Verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, you're going to see a progression here. Look back at verse six. He says, look, if we say that we have fellowship with God, this sweet fellowship with God, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, that is, to other people, hypocrites, right? But verse 8, it gets worse. He says, look, if you say you have no sin, you've turned to lying to yourself. And actually, the, the Greek word for uh, deceive there, we deceive ourselves, doesn't mean to just lie, but it actually literally means to lead astray. So what he's saying is, look, if you say you have no sin problem, then you're leading yourself down a primrose path to destruction. And it gets worse, actually. Let's skip down to verse 10. <clears throat> it says, look, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. That is God. And his word is not in us. Verse 6, look, you're lying to others if you think that God's okay with the sin and it doesn't have to be dealt with. 
Verse 8, look, you're lying to yourself if you say that you have no sin. You're leading yourself astray. Verse 10, look, if you say that you have not sinned, you are calling God a liar. Now, to me, that's not smart. To call God a liar. Because God, in his word, many times declares the exact opposite of that. Isaiah 53, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness, meaning our very best, most righteous day, the one we are most proud of, is like filthy rags. Romans 3, 10, there is none righteous. No, not one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you say, well, not me, you're calling God a liar. You guys want to see something really scary? You're like, I don't know. Um, look at verse 8. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Who, who described himself as the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. How does John describe Jesus, the word? Yo, that's scary. If you can't even come to the place where you admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior, the truth is not in you. The word is not in you. If we walk in darkness and deny our sin. That means we we don't even understand how much we need a savior. But let's go back now. Verse nine, we, we skipped over and we saved the best for last. Basically, if we walk in darkness and we conceal our sin, we don't enjoy that fellowship. But look at verse 9. If we, on the other hand, confess. Yeah, y'all, that's how you walk in the light. Confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you guys notice verse 6, verse 8, verse 10? The even numbered are all pretty bad stuff. And the the odd number, verse 5, is the principle. And then verse 7 and verse 9 are the solution. It seems to me we're presented once again with life and death. Righteousness, unrighteousness, light and darkness. The choice is ours to make. And it's not that we have to work really hard to do these things. It's to confess. That's the choice. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And you will see two people who made their choices. Luke chapter 18. Jesus speaking. Verse 9. He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Verse 10. Luke 18 verse 10 now. Two men went up to the temple to pray, Jesus says. And one, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Boom, boom, boom. Nobody liked tax collectors then. They still don't, pretty much. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, very righteous, really proud of himself, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with whom? Himself. He thought he was praying to God, but he had no fellowship. He prayed with himself. <clears throat> God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even... <clears throat> As this tax collector. I thank you that I'm so much better than those people. 
Verse 12, here's my laundry list of all the great stuff I've done. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, look at verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast. That was the way that they would show repentance back then. He beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, verse 14, look, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Turn with me to first John chapter one, verse nine. He says, look. How you walk in the light is confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the family memory verse this week. Y'all, if, I think if I had to pick one verse. Like if you, if you don't know one verse in the Bible, this might be it. The one that you really need to have. If you don't already have this memorized, do it. Y'all, this is like your lifeline to fellowship with God, to a joyful walk with God. This is your lifeline. This is the antidote for sin. If we confess our sins, and remember, John is speaking this to believers, okay? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This, y'all, is how you bring the sin into the light. This is how you walk in the light, Interesting, once again, the tense here to confess means a continual confessing. That makes sense. If I know me, a continual confessing. Now, if that scares you, hold on. I'll I'll share with about that in a little bit here. But the word confess in the Greek is homo logeo. Homo means the same. Logeo, that's that that word, the word. What it means then is to say the same thing. To confess means to say the same thing as God. To say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin. Call it what it is. Not a mistake. Not, you know, I'm just not perfect. Call it what it is. A sin. No mealy-mouthed, weak, half-confession. You know, like... Lord, if I did something to offend you, please forgive that thing. Have any of you guys ever received a confession like that? Look, hey, if I did something wrong, you know, I'm sorry. How did that go over with you? So don't you think God is also worthy of a real confession? I know I've used this illustration over and over again, but it's a good one. Sorry. When my boys, when they mess up, I still love them, but they, they, they go out of fellowship on their own. They know that it's wrong, right? I still love them. I never, ever stop loving them. But there's this break in fellowship, in koinonia, in being in coats. And the only way that that can be restored is if they say, Dad, I'm sorry. And then I do that really mean thing and I say, what are you sorry for? For hitting my brother with a bat? (laughs) I'm sorry for hitting my brother with a bat. He starts crying. 
because he named the sin. That's when the tears come. That's when we come, can be back in cahoots. That's when we have fellowship is when I just own up to it and I just say, Lord, I'm wrong and this is what you say about it and this is what I've done. I want to challenge you this week to give him worthy confessions. Lord, I sinned against you specifically like this. I lied to this person. Lord, I've been adulterous in my heart or in my flesh. Lord, your word says not to be drunk with wine. I've done it. Lord, I've been selfish. I've been lazy. Whatever it is, listen, that's when the tears come. That's when the cleansing comes. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, this is crazy, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word faithful there, there's two definitions, and I think you're going to like both of them. In the Blue Letter Bible, you can find this Faithful, the first one we would expect, he is faithful, meaning it's used of a person who shows themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands or the discharge of official duties. In other words, John's saying, look, if you confess to him, you can trust him. He will forgive you because he's declared it. And that one's that one's pretty awesome by itself. But listen to the second possible definition. Word faithful there means easily persuaded. If we confess our sins, he is easily persuaded and just to forgive us our sins. You see what that means? That means you don't have to come and grovel. You don't have to spend hours begging him for forgiveness. No, this indicates just like fathers, if you're a dad, you get it. If you're a mom, you get it. You're eager to forgive. You don't like that break in fellowship any more than your kid does. If we confess our sins, he is eager to forgive us our sins. That's awesome. Now, but it says, though, that he is just. That's where it gets tricky in my mind. Right. How in the world can a holy God, one who is righteous? I mean, that's what he's about is doing everything exactly right. How can he somehow accept me even though I'm wrong? How in the world can a holy God forgive you and still be a just judge? Well, you find it there again at the end of verse seven. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Get it? I mean, that's what the whole story is about, right? If you're a believer, you understand that. You understand atonement, that when he died on the cross, it was in your place. And once again, verse the end of verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, it says, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once again, katharizo. You guys want me to go over that again? No. A continuous voiding of the poison of sin. And all we have to do is confess to bring it into the light. Now, some of you are thinking that's a full time job for me. Me too. But maybe you're thinking or you're worried. But what if I miss something? Verse nine is awesome. Covers that, too. Listen, you need not worry if you have if you're doing your best to have a continual conversation with him. And when when your sins become apparent to you and you, you name them, you, you point them out by name, and you say, Lord. I thank you for forgiving me for that. Forgive me for this. 
You don't have to worry about missing something because, look, it says if if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from. There's that word again. All unrighteousness. To me, that says basically if you're if you're doing your best to confess the things that you've done. He does all the rest. That means there's not you don't have to worry about, man, I think I, I missed something. No, he cleanses from all unrighteousness. What's that mean? That makes you white as snow, pure as light, able to have fellowship with one in whom there is no darkness at all. That's awesome. You can have koinonia, that is fellowship with God. And what have we learned? Fellowship with God is the whole basis for joy. We've written these things that you might have fullness of joy. Walk in the light. Confess. There is no reason for anyone in this room to walk out of here with a speck of dirt on you. With a speck of darkness. Let me close with this. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now, the Lord says, and let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the power of your word and the promise of it. Thank you that everything that you say comes true. And you've said, Lord, that if we will confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from even the unrighteousness that we're not aware of. Lord, forgive us for preferring to walk in the darkness. Help us, Lord, to walk in the light. Lord, I thank you for this group of believers whom you brought together. Lord, and if there's anyone here in this room who does not know you, I pray that you would you would make this very real to them, that they would understand it doesn't matter what they've done. There truly can be forgiveness, a brand new clean slate when it comes to to their life with you. Pray, Lord, that you just minister to each each heart and mind now in this time. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.